guys welcome back to the fieldcraft survival podcast today i'm your host for the ad space this is austin and i'm sitting down with realistic rob over here what's up man hey what's up what's going on guys uh, so we call rob realistic rob because anytime we're talking about any of the fun things that we want to do a cool class that we want to teach uh some awesome epic trip Rob comes in the room, pops the balloon, and brings us back down to earth. By Look, I mean, you've got to have somebody that can tell you what will and will yeah, not work. There's got to be that guy. So, Realistic Rob is the nickname. It, we don't want it to be negative because you got to have they, they call it like the 11th man, but you got to have it. But damn. I let you guys play sometimes, but like, yeah, but it, I don't let you go too far. Yeah. I mean, you got to have it. But anyway, um, we're going to jump into these ads for you guys. And first up is, you guessed it, Triarch Systems. Uh, I, I, just, I wasn't even sure this I know, time. I know. It's just I, like, it's okay, a game. Is it go? It's a game for me. So uh, it's fun because I can do this kind of by the seat of my pants and you have like the script in front of you and you're shaking every time we do this. It's really weird. But um, I can usually be on the other side of the, the <laughs> mic or camera, not this side. But, you know, I'm getting uh, used to it. Good, good. But uh, our friends over at Triarc Systems, Chris Reeves and the gang, have always treated us right. Um, they've been taking care of us for a long time. They've been a sponsor of ours since the get-go. Um, and... If you're not familiar with Triarch Systems, they make some of the best weapon systems on the planet. Absolutely. Um, all of our guys use them, love them, and, and they're just good guys. Yeah, totally. And uh, I know Raul beats the snot out of his. Mike, in his Tri-11, uh, that thing is, like, phenomenal. You know, I've, I've got to shoot it a handful of times with Mike, but, dude, I love that gun. But uh, anyway, guys, go over to TriarchSystems.com and use code FIELDCRAFT, and it'll save you 5% on your next build. Still a nice little chunk of change off it of a, what's not a, a cheap gun, but it's not. It's well worth it. I mean, you got to pay for that quality, but they, uh, that code will get you 5% off. Yeah, totally worth it. So uh, next up is KC Highlights. And over there we got Ali and the gang. And uh, those guys, again, since really since the get-go, they've been a sponsor of Fieldcraft Survival mm -hmm. and um, helping us out with our mobility rigs. And they've been a really good connection for us into the mobility space. Because these guys have been doing it for how long? They just had their 50, 50 years, yeah, 50 yeah. year anniversary not long ago. So um, everybody knows the the little yellow light cover with the smiley face. Yep. Uh, Casey Highlights is, makes some of the best lights, the best lights, uh, oh, yeah. in our opinion, on the market. Yeah, and we've been hanging out with them all week down at Easter Jeep Safari. And yep. uh, again, same same as Trark, just good guys. We've been checking out the new Flex Air 4s as well as the their other lights, the light bars and everything. And yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's been a fun time hanging with them and, and seeing the product and, and everything. Yeah, and, and I honestly, man, and I honestly am surprised every time Mikey turns on the, the, the <laughs> lights and the light bar on his Jeep, it, it like blows me away. Uh, and they just keep keep working. So, guys, head over to CaseyHighlights.com and use code FIELDCRAFT, and it'll save you 10%. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right, guys. So, in this podcast, um, Mike and Kevin sat down, and they talked about communications. I mean, if you've listened to any Mike and Kevin podcast before, it's never about just one thing. They talk about 50 things, and I don't know if it's because of TBI, and they forget what they're talking about, or that's just kind of how the conversation rolls. But, uh uh, yes, yeah, so this is a cool podcast. I was actually around when they recorded this and it, uh, some really interesting information as well as Kevin and Mike talk about a new class that we have coming up very soon called breakout. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for the details on that, stick around and listen to that in this podcast. But without further ado, Mike and Kevin on communications. Kevin Owens. Michael Gower. I like you say that. You do? <clears throat> I, I don't know. You say, I've heard you been, I've heard you say my name for, for the last 20 years. So. Okay. But it's oh. never been Michael. That's true. Rarely. I, I feel like I'm in trouble when you call me Michael. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, I was going to talk to you about something. Camo? No, 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 no. Before, before we get started on Camo. Breakout? Yeah, breakout. Okay. So how, how do you talk about it without ruining the surprise? So... What, what is breakout, anyway? So breakout <clears throat> is... Kind of sort of. I put a little bit out of it. You know, you, you, you try to put enough out that people are excited and they sign up for it, but not too much to give away everything, right? But the premise is, like when we went to Robin Sage. Robin Sage is a culmination exercise for special forces training, and it puts you into a fictional country. Where what was you it have called? Pineland. 
pine land yeah? yeah and we had money and there was a whole build up like the scenario was really complicated I, I don't think anybody could memorize it right but they built it up for for two weeks i think we trained in, in bragg before we actually infilled yep and uh but you're in a fictional country in north carolina and it's been run since the 50s i think and the whole local community get involved and the, the um the the work as an auxiliary but basically the basic premise is you're infiltrated into a, a, a fictional country and you're going to help um, a local resistance force build up an army and fight against like a corrupt government. So that is not what this is, <laughs> but it is scenario based in the same way. So we have built a fictional country and we're going to send the whole scenario out bit by bit with Intel updates. And basically when you get here, you are in a fictional country and there's been a coup. And you, as an aid worker, your goal is to move to the border, which is, I don't know, 80, 100 miles away. Now, in order to facilitate, facilitate that movement and help you um, do that, a local auxiliary unit are going to help you with skills, survival, land nav, medical, um, and a bunch of other stuff. You'll be placed in the scenario within 24 hours of getting here, and you'll stay in the scenario all the way to the end. Now, um, we just got confirmation that Mike Jones is gonna be a guest instructor. Who's who, that? That's Grand Thumb on social media, who was a, a SEER instructor for the Air Force for five years. So SEER is uh, survival, escape, resist, and evade. So that might give you a key into some of the stuff that we will, we will be doing on the course. Now, we've done bugger courses before but we've always always concentrated on academics and um you know feeding you well making sure you got plenty of sleep because we're, we're tr throwing so much information at you you wanted to retain it this is going to be a little different it's <laughs> going to be it sounds horrible it's going to be challenging and uh you will learn a lot and you will be placed in a scenario and you, you will run through the whole scenario and you will be challenged mentally and physically. So if you're not physically fit, if you don't have a good, strong mindset, probably shouldn't sign up for it. Um, well, the, the, the difference is the train as you guide um, through all these experiences was like the bugging out thing. But this yeah. is a scenario. You're just in the scenario where mm -hmm. you'll learn the most lessons because it's, yes. it's through experience. Yes, it's experience-based learning, basically, right? We will teach you the skills you need, but then you will actually apply them in the field. And then there'll be a bunch of curveballs thrown in there. And we, we got a lot of tricks up our sleeves. So um, it's going to be phenomenal. You will absolutely enjoy it, but you will be challenged. And if, if that's something you're looking for, stay tuned because hopefully it'll get posted today. Uh, soon. Soon. Um, there's a big gap in uh, kind of an understanding of communications and expertise. And it's something that is like the core foundation of our successes in special operations, but also in every organization, mm -hmm. whether it's verbal, um, uh, communications infrastructure, network, forums, systems, whatever that is, communications is super important. And um, when asked, uh, we've been often asked questions about, hey, what what are the right setups for communications for getting better prepared um, or the worst case scenario, like bugging out? And this is a, I mean, I have a, a story when I was in the Q course of me changing my MOS from 18 Echo to Bravo because I detested communications mm -hmm. because I associate combo with being a nerd. Mm -hmm. And even though I secretly was a nerd, I wanted to mess with guns and it wasn't weapons. secret. We all knew you were a nerd. I know, I was, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I wanted through the Q course soup to nuts all the way. start to finish as fast as possible. Yeah. To me, that was French only four months. I already did French in high school. That was the 18 Bravo course, which was only four months. The MOS portion, whereas comma was six months Yeah. and the medic was like a year. Right. So I was trying to get through the Q course as fast as possible because I couldn't go to SF. I spent six years in the infantry because I wasn't a U.S. citizen. So I was just trying to get through it as fast as possible. Um, thank goodness I didn't get Camo because Camo is constantly changing. Medical stuff doesn't really change. Guns, not so much. 
Um, engineer stuff, not so much. But communications, if you step away from it for a year, then a lot of stuff changes. Like the basic rules of communications and wave propagation and all that stuff is the same. But um, I remember Neil, who you, we, we both served with, Neil stepped away from it. He was an Athean Echo. He stepped away and became a dog handler for two or three years. And then he came back to my team as the Athean Echo, and he was like the least trained camo guy on the team because we were constantly training in camo, and he'd just been left behind because all this new equipment came out, all these new standards came out, and he had to relearn it all. Now, you know, in a recce team, Everybody has to be a combo guy because you can't you can't rely on the combo guy. You know you're you're split up into so so many small teams. Everybody has to know what they're doing. But the Athean Echo is always that guy who could troubleshoot problems because he has a deeper, more um, immersed understanding of how combo works, so he can find problems and fix problems much better than than the average guy like like me or you who are not combo trained. Well, it's I think what's interesting is we didn't want to be combo guys, but we ended up in reconnaissance, which is all. I mean, if you're a combo guy and you're a team sergeant, which we were, which were, were the MSS, the the MSS, the mission support site, mm-hmm. you have to understand yeah. combo. You really do, yeah. It's not like the infantry, where if you're in a command position, you have a combo guy whose job it is to communicate. Yeah, you have to do. I that. never got the RTO. So thing. silly. I remember I, I when I was a squad leader in the infantry. And uh, I got a new lieutenant, second lieutenant in, and he said, who's my RTO? And I'm like, you are. You carry your own damn radio. You know? <laughs> I'm not giving up a shooter from a nine-man squad. Yeah. We carry your radio for you. Well, I'm it's, like, stop. It's, the, 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 that idea comes from um, maybe a Vietnam tactic of interoperating and commanding troops in small unit tactics, mm-hmm. but then standing with a communicator and being able to give direction on the ground, but direction in the air. Mm-hmm. But it, it, so when you so you wouldn't be bogged down. Mm-hmm. But there was latency in that. There was, and I can understand it for a JTAC, right? I, you know, uh, uh, yeah, con- controlling. I know the commander on the ground doesn't want to be talking to aircraft, talking to ground troops, talking to the vehicles, and all that, right? So he just tells the JTAC, you know, do this, drop a bomb over there, right? But for for. Uh, an infantry platoon maneuvering on the ground would not can carry your down damn radio. You're going to get on the radio anyway. You're not yeah. going to tell a private to send this. You're going to grab the radio and do it yourself. So yeah. you're already out of the fight too because you're mm-hmm. communicating some intent. Yeah. So why take another operator shooter. or shooter out of the yeah. fight because yeah. you want to? Because hey, you can't push your talk. It's an old school mindset. So crazy. You know, it's so funny how we train. You know, you get these young officers, nothing against young officers. They, they have to learn like everybody else. But you go, to, you go to college for four years, and then you do a little bit of training, and now you're in charge. But you really don't know Jack, right? And uh, I was telling you earlier on, we, like before 9-11, we did the whole infantry move up, knock out the bunker, go into the trench line because we were still fighting the, the, or training to fight the Russians in Europe. And then uh, we got the artillery barrage. And instinctively, he goes, oh, 500 meters, 12 o'clock. And I'm like, stop, nobody, you're in a trench. You yeah. couldn't be in a better spot. That's the best know? position to be in. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, and it, but Camo is constantly changing and has evolved. You think about Camo in the infantry, when you're a young infantry soldier, when you started your career and where it was when you finished your career. Um, huge difference. Oh, my God. Like, like, do you remember the 126 radio? I remember. Dude, you could, see, you could yeah. see people. 100 meters away, you could almost yell to them and you couldn't get them on the radio. Yeah. It was a piece of garbage. Horrible comms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, we have a couple of sets around here from World War II and Vietnam of communication devices. I, I'm a, I like the idea of like having them around because it, it reminds you of like the difficulties. You know, in the, a communication device, even in Vietnam in the 60s and 70s, was the size of a large car battery mm-hmm. versus what it is now. Um, we have, we do have a special insight into, um, communications and low visibility operations mm-hmm. and, and locations where, you know, me and you would go to a certain country and maybe it wasn't for any particular classified, uh, circumstance, but there's a pace contingency based communications plan that we would develop based on the infrastructure and then the requirement of the job in X country. Mm-hmm. And uh, many, many times, I'll never forget, I like, I think it was, oh, it was 08, and I was doing the stay behind missions as a sniper with uh, Neil and Jason. And 
I remember texting from a, a hide site, or in this case, an urban hide, mm. somebody's house mm. in Baghdad on a Nokia. Yeah, that was your E in your pace plan, was yeah, it? it was yeah, a, and so mm-hmm. I remember texting people to get combo checks, um, even texting people in the U.S. Mm. from that phone, and which is probably, you shouldn't do that. Probably not. Um, but, but here in the United States, I don't have reception in half of Montana. Yeah, uh, yeah. which I think is I think it's just is, is silly. Um, yeah, even even with all the bazillions of dollars we spend on Camo, we still have no Camo a lot of the time. Oh right? yeah, in, in in austere in austere places. But I think we've become over in a military sense. We've become over reliant because the 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 better the Camo get got over the years, the more the reporting requirements became. Right. So you're on the ground and you're you're streaming live video across. You know your systems, and now you have commanders trying to dictate to you what to do from a desk. And I would never do it, right? But um, like World War Two, guys invaded. They jumped into Normandy, and they 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 swept across the whole, you know, um, Western Europe with a grease pencil. You know what I mean? And yeah. that was that. And it was like go and come back when you're done, basically, right? Now you can't cross the street without this con op and this operations order and micromanaging systems. And I think we've become overly rea- reliant. On camo and and uh, oversight from above. Yeah, over communication. Over communication. I I I think it's very interesting the um, the invention of the interwebs and the this intercommunication system of now having a requirement for like example to check your email because mm-hmm. it's a portal and then you get delivered all these pieces of information and there's an obligation now. Because you have to be glued to your yeah. computer. Mm-hmm. Because if you didn't receive that information, you're somehow yeah. negligent. Yeah. And and I remember, especially in a leadership position, spending a lot of time on these computers, and not a lot of time honing skill sets or doing yeah. things that we should have been doing. Yeah. I, yeah. As a team sergeant, you get bogged down. When I, I was in, uh, when I was a team sergeant in, uh, I'm not going to say where, but it, they had a special. Um, they had a special email set up for the recce troop sergeant major, whatever it was, right? And I never checked it. Like, I checked my regular SOCOM one, and I never checked it. And four months into the deployment, the, the company commander, who you know well, he's that guy that's re-enlisting you when you're, we, we were in Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. he was the company commander. I hated him. He hated me. But, like, four <laughs> months into the deployment, he was like, did you get that email I sent you? And I was like, what email? He's like, oh, this, this, this. And I was like, no. He sent it. He's like, I sent it to the recce team, Sorn. I was like, oh, I've never checked that. He's like, I've been sending you emails every day for four months on that, which shows how important it was. Yeah. Right? It was garbage. Yeah. The yeah. Forward, A waste of time. The forward button on some people's email system should be disabled because yeah. they look at, oh, forward, oh, forward, forward. I had a sergeant major. It was bad for that, right? But it just goes to show I was receiving emails on that email account for four months, never saw one of them. No, no detriment. The to world the didn't fall apart. Did not fall apart, right? So we absolutely overcommunicate. Um, when we're talking about communications, it helps people to start off with kind of an understanding of infrastructure because um, c- communications can be complex when you when you when you line it out. But um, I'll, I'll try to simplify this because a lot of it has to do. Like I have a military special operations background, but the systems that we utilized have a correlated and beneficial piece of equipment or capability that can be used by civilians. So they're 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 interoperable in a lot of ways, or just a, a greater understanding of how how things work. So common to all nowadays is the cell phone, mm-hmm. and they they operate in. And frequency bands, uh, typically measured in megahertz, and you have uh, two main systems. There's probably three main systems now because of the advent of um, and and dependency on the internet. So there's an IP-based kind of system. So you have not you have GSM, and then you have CDMA. So you have these two uh, tethered networks that use cell phone towers all over the world, uh, including internet base stations that relay things over the horizon would be called that allow people to communicate so you go to the phone store and you buy let's let's go let's you go to walmart you buy a phone and you put a sim card in there or has a prepaid sim already embedded in it 
the cell phones that have the SIM card that you put in it, that's typically around 900 megahertz. That's typically a GSM phone. Uh, and there's other there's other megahertz and, and, and frequencies. I won't go down that rabbit hole because I'm not an expert at that. But versus the CDMA where the handset itself, the phone itself, is tethered to the network and it's not interoperable in different geographical locations. And you would look at this as being a locked cell phone because it's locked to the provider um, and, and not as flexible because it's not an open phone or an unlocked phone that you could just, like an unlocked phone, you could take your phone and you could fly to Africa, um, take that phone, un- unplug your SIM card, um, and then reinsert a Africa SIM, and then um, automatically connect to the mm-hmm. network that's there. Versus now, which is a, it's kind of a scheme. Um, what they'll do is they'll make a phone, you pay into it monthly, you technically don't own that phone which includes some of the data that's on that phone. And then you don't have the ability because it's not unlocked to use that phone in a foreign country. Typically you have to, because they have uh, partnered providers, they'll work with an international provider that will charge you and it will show up in your American bill. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, I'm gonna interrupt the podcast for just a minute to talk to you about something very serious. For all my dudes out there who deal with this same debacle that I deal with, of how much to trim, how much not to trim, Manscaped, a new sponsor of ours, has it figured out. So Manscaped has a package for us, which is called the Perfect Package 3.0. It includes the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. So Manscaped hooked us up with one package of theirs uh, that we've just been kind of sharing here at the company, and it's uh, it's actually bringing a lot of light life back to a lot of the dudes here. So uh, I will tell you that that anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer is the bee's knees. So get 20% off and free shipping with code FIELDCRAFT at manscapedtalk.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use code FIELDCRAFT. Guys, get the confidence back. You don't have to worry about those stinky balls anymore. Go over to manscaped.com. You know, it, it, it's funny because people don't think about this as military comms, but there's two kind of separate entities in military communications. There's tactical communications, which people think about. It's the backpack on your back or, the, or the, the, the backpack radio on your back or on your hip. And then there's clandestine comms, right, which we're not really going to get into. But that's a whole new world, especially in the special operations world, because sometimes you can't be using a big tactical radio or even a satellite um, radio in a hotel room trying to shoot a shoot a, a, a to a satellite at the window which we've done before or up on the roof it's just not tactical so the whole clandestine comms piece is ways of communicating in places where you don't want people to know you're communicating without getting into the, down the rabbit hole on that yeah it's, th- this it, is kind of a different world well yeah and it's completely applicable because if you are Look, you should know that everything on your your phone, I'm going to use phone instead of the word handset, which I'm familiar with. Your phone is a, is a walking, um, listening, even talking, communicating device that is giving off not only a literal physical signature, but obviously a, um, a, a data point signature that is traceable in many different means. I mean, you could look again without going into too much detail. Your phone is a dead giveaway of who you are, where you are, what you look like, what you sound like, and everything else. I mean, some of these most smartphones passively, whether through the user agreement or through the application and the device and software, have the ability to to listen into your conversations, uh, passively listen. I'm on this new app. Um, um, was on there this morning, uh, Clubhouse, and I was on there this morning, and it's, Clubhouse is all based on this Audible um, format, which is becoming more popular. And I was in a room that I created, and saw this great outline around my icon, which is my pro, uh, profile picture, and was it was an open communication device that I, it didn't even ask for permission to communicate; it just was communicating. So what I was saying, everybody in that room, luckily it was a friend of mine who was in that room, 
That scares um, the crap out of me. Dude, man. it literally, mm-hmm. like I was literally openly communicating. Everything in the room that was being said could be heard. Mm-hmm. And that's how your phone works. It's A, a it's couple a of years ago, device. I was messing with my phone and I found audio files and they had recorded me a ton of times without me knowing. Did you that, say anything weird? I didn't. I probably did, but I, I just, oh my God, delete, 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 right? Because you accidentally hit the button. I must have hit something, yeah. I probably just didn't know what I was doing, but. So um, you, the the cell phone, like um, many people forget because we're kind of isolated here by water uh, in, in the United States, the world, and, you know, all seven, eight billion people in the world, we all typically intercommunicate on devices like this. Um, Huawei, some of these big corporations that own the biggest cell phone networks in the world, they all have the ability when you enter – um, you know, intercommunicate into their um, specific towers to exploit that information in various forms. Whether it's exploiting information on the um, um, on the back end, or even interrogating the phone and listening to you on the front end, like offensively versus defensively. Mm-hmm. So you know the the fact that you could geolocate, that you could geotag, that you could track waypoints, GPS do all these high-speed things is only uh, on the other side a means of interrogation and exploitation. Mm. I used to get it in force mod all the time. Be like, how come I can do everything on this and my tactical radio can only... Well, it's not secure, man. Come on, you know the answer oh, already. Jeez, know? I know. Yeah. All right, so that, that's, that's cell phone infrastructure. What, what I always recommend is one... Like if I'm in a foreign country, even though people freak out about like getting, hey, don't never get a Chinese cell phone because the Chinese are listening. Look, the, the beneficial thing about these cheap drop phones, it was what we call them, is they have the ability and because they're open and, and untethered to be able to throw a SIM card in cheaply and, and communicate throughout the world. I used to go to Africa, which included Libya, Tunisia, Niger, Nigeria, and I could go to a local place and buy a SIM card. They don't require a passport? Some of them do. Some of them do. But some I, of them don't. I've been, they, they have to, you have to show a passport and they yeah. take a photocopy of it to buy a SIM card. Some so we do. just we just give locals 10 bucks to go buy it for us. Yeah, that's yeah. easy. Like a street bazaar. I, I've done this before in Iraq in Erbil. I was in a bazaar, which is a... Um, market? Open a market. market. Yeah, an open market. Erbil is beautiful, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, I hope we can get there either this year or next year. Um, but I, I was in Erbil, went to a bazaar, and there's a guy, and he was requiring all this stuff. I literally turned to a guy and said, "Hey, can I, can I give you ten dollars, and then you buy the SIM card in front of the merchant?" And the merchant was like, "Yeah, that's fine." Mm. So he looks at the guy. The guy writes his name down, signs it. I give him ten dollars. Um, he pays for the SIM card. So for ten dollars, I have an un. Um, it's look, it's traceable no matter what. Even even in the Middle Eastern infrastructure of company or countries that we. Uh, don't necessarily operate with. They have their own foreign services. This is an open source completely. Big, big time. And they have a lot of money in a lot they're of They're more paranoid. And, yeah, and they're, uh, they're, they have less rules and yeah. regs, right? Yeah, so, there's no regulation. No, there's, there's no, no protection. We, we, yeah, uh, at least we have some regs here. I don't know if they followed them or not. But Yeah, well, the, <laughs> w- what we have too is like the Apple infrastructure, which is uh, iOS is actually known for having some pretty good uh, I guess we'll call it uh, user rights and protections mm. that don't over violate through terms and conditions constitutional rights mm-hmm. versus applications and other heart like even Samsung, which is mm. by the way not American. Samsung is is very Korean. Um, so when we go like when I go to the bazaar, I have that SIM card, but it doesn't matter because if I'm calling. I'm probably calling American numbers, like plus zero zero one, and I'm also communicating in English, which is mm-hmm. a, is a dead giveaway for an, a very easy software development to trigger pick that, up, yeah. pick up that that mm-hmm. communication. So simple. Everything can be automated now. Everything. You know, there's not too many guys sitting in a van across the street with the headphones on, with the big wheel things recording and sweating. And eating. Ch- it's in an air conditioned office, and it's just picking everything up and and, and doing. Uh, uh, what do we call it? Social media analytics or, or something like that, where it's just it's automated and it knows yeah. what to look for and it picks it up and it records it. Right? Yeah, it, it's it's all. What about um, what about satellite phones? So, I'm a big. I, I have always been big 
like when I was a when I, before I was a GRS contractor, I was actually a contract contractor. Mm-hmm. I was an independent. I didn't have, I, I I wasn't tethered to it through the government. I was by myself, and so I started paying attention in my own. I mean, a lot of the things that I started Fieldcraft on were based on the premise of me operating by myself. Mm-hmm. So, I the first thing I went out and did is I bought a Breitling watch, which is a very expensive watch that pilots often use that had a uh, antenna that you could unscrew a cap oh, and extend yeah. an antenna mm-hmm. and and transpond on the universal uh, SOS beacon uh, frequency, which every aircraft that operates in uh, uh, on the radar is going to have that preset where they'll pick up that transpondence and be able to hear that ping to be able to relay it to emergency services. It, it's actually... It might be, it's a requirement for the FAA, mm-hmm. but every international commercial flight does that. They mm-hmm. do that. So meaning if you're in, in Africa and you're in trouble and you go to the top of the, the hill and you pull that, uh, one, if it's an accident, it's like a $2,000 fine for activating well, it. Well, that, that, that guarantees that they pay attention to it, right? Because yeah. if that fine wasn't there, yeah. they'd be like, Psh, it's uh, probably a mistake. It's probably it's somebody mistake. doesn't know what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's some idiot with a bright, some rich idiot with I a Breitling watch. Right, yeah. um, and then I started paying attention to satellite phones and, and their use. Um, one, we are used to Iridium satellite, yes. satellite phones. Uh, I remember in Afghanistan, I was talking to this, uh, this girl, and I was um, inside of uh, a firebase in Afghanistan, the middle of nowhere. And we didn't have any... The internet was shoddy during that time period. So we're working off of uh, a satellite internet, which is like literally a, a laptop that you opened up and pointed, pointed I think called Began is the name mm-hmm. of the company. And I was, this girl hit me up on MySpace. And these were, I was single and I was bored and it was nine months in Afghanistan. You're and dr- you were drunk? <laughs> maybe. Huh? Actually, I didn't drink back then. Mm-hmm. So she said, hey, where are you at? And I was like, oh, I'm in, a stand. She goes, Oh, I'm in A stand. And so she goes, Hey, you got a sat phone? I said, Yeah, I got a sat phone. So she gives me her sat phone and I climb on top of the tower in our firebase and I'm talking to this girl who's in another part, maybe a thousand miles away mm-hmm. from where I'm standing in a remote firebase and she's in a remote firebase and we're having a conversation over a sat phone. Being listened to and you were talking dirty. Oh, of course. And you were talking dirty to her. I was. I was like, <laughs> it's so dirty here. The the water is gross. The air quality is bad. Super dirty. But th- that uh, that that idea of uh, of having a 45 degree angle pointed at a satellite, uh, which can be intermittent because satellites mm-hmm. move and travel, um, and, and then communicating over the horizon, not through cell phone in- infrastructure, ground infrastructure, to me is very, um, very much should be a capability in your preparedness Have you looked bag. at the, the price of them? Like buying them in the airtime, obviously you have to pay for it. Have you looked at lately? How much is it? I just picked up a new one. It's in my Land Cruiser. Oh, you got one? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't show you? No, let me borrow it when I go up to Idaho. Go, yeah, for go sure. into the back country. Because sure. I was wondering how I'm going to co- communicate, you know? Yeah, remind me after this. I'll get yeah, to yeah, you. cool. So in Rest- I, well, I, the first person I talked to was Ham Radio Crash Course. Josh Nas, mm-hmm. Nasi. Um, I'm like, hey, I've been out of the sat phone game for, for a while. What's the best sat phone? Uh, he told me an Inmarstat. Inmarstat. Inmarstat? Yeah. Didn't we use those back in the day? We did, yep. always. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not surprised by the, the company. But the, the, the big things you want to pay attention to on sat phones is, one, their coverage. Because the first time I bought a sat phone for Africa, for myself, there was zero coverage in Africa. Mm, so it was, it was yeah. Europe. Mm-hmm. It was Eastern Europe. It was even some places in America. There wasn't, it was because it, it works off a lot long. Yeah. That satellite's traveling around. If they don't have a broadened uh, infrastructure, meaning yeah. many satellites in the air, yeah. you're not going to hit and it. And sometimes you'll, you'll be able to hit a satellite at a certain time yep. in a certain window, but you'll not be able to hit it other times, right? 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I have that phone, that phone. It's 600 bucks is the retail. And then I think I paid $200 for the card, which you could preload, and it gives you 30, I think this is a couple hours of minutes, mm-hmm. but it, it depends too. I think it's it's variable, so it depends on where you're at, how long you're talking. 
but it's good for emergency comms. Yeah. That's what I use it for. That's all. It, yeah. yeah. And and the 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 card the the data on the card doesn't expire if you don't use it for no. like a year or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And it's I I tested it. Like I'm I'm dated. I mean, the last time I used a sat phone in mm. real time was 2015, 14. So it's been a while. Mm-hmm. That it sounds like a cell phone that you talk to in the states. Cool. That's it's awesome. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because I was wondering about uh, you know, come up there in the backcountry, way in in austere. And if you're on high ground, you're probably able to use like a ham radio or something like that to to bounce. But if you're not, you're not getting anybody, and you're damn, damn sure not getting any cell signal. So. Um, there can always be an emergency, right? Yeah. So that's cool. The big thing now is the ability to push data through phones and radios and satellite because that used to not be – that's that has to do with bandwidth. Mm-hmm. So we've increased bandwidth since even since our time in the in the you know, recce. Yeah, push, pushing live video was a massive bandwidth requirement yeah. that, that uh, yeah, we had problems with. Um, <laughs> I had a squat – I had a commander once tell me, a squadron commander, and he said, Mike, we spend all this money. We do all this high-speed stuff. You're telling me that if I put out an observation post, I don't have the ability to pump that live feed anywhere in the world? I'm like, nope. Mm -hmm. I was like, let me give you the perfect analogy or example. Have you ever seen a live feed streamed by the news? Like, yeah, yeah. How well does that work out when they're live with a camera in the field. It rarely works out. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because they're pushing that through their camera, through an antenna base station on their vehicle typically, and then pushing that over the horizon or through the infrastructure. And there's always a latency. There's always typically disruption. And um, you're always going to get um, quality degra- degradation which will defeat the purpose of what you're trying to accomplish in the first place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember talking to a commander as well. And they're like, you know, generally we take photographs on target, right? If it's a building, we take photographs and suspects, and then we doctor those photographs with Photoshop, and then we add like tags, like breach point or whatever, whatever we add to it, and make it make it more clear and point things out, and then send. It. You'll get more data from that than you will from a video, right? Yeah. A video of an empty building. With no activity is a photograph, right? Yes. A live yeah. feed of an empty building is the same as a photograph. So yeah. it's like, I want a video. I'm like, why? You know, it's just not, yeah. you're not getting much from it. And if there's stuff to report, I will report. I'm on the ground, you know? Yeah, verbal communication yeah. to report. Yeah, um, but that used to be a huge pain. But yeah, it has opened up a lot now. The big one now for, and again, it's not classified, the big one for, for military and for the army even is like Net Warrior, which is cell phone based chess mounted that runs through your phone and networks everybody together so you would be able to uh look at your phone and see the position like when we were doing free fall ops at night and like we talked about the one before where you went all in a different direction and you were you know, flying towards your death <laughs> like we, we would be able to look down on the cell phone and see the spots for everybody because it's tracked and you're in a network and I'd be able to go, okay, Mike, because I can see your call sign is going Mike's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, I'd be like, hey, Mike, feet needs to get her bow. But, you know, um, so he's, he's heading east and he should be heading west. And I can go, Mike, make make a 180 degree turn and come back it's without physically help. seeing you on yeah. the ground. And now there's an effort to push all that information into your night vision goggles. So I don't have to look down and lose situational awareness. It's all in your night vision goggles like a video game and eventually into clear eye pro. And eventually I've been told this into contact lenses. I was what? like, I was like, give them all the money that I want that. <laughs> and I want cat eye contact lenses. I man. know. I want the, <laughs> the cross hairs like that. I know. That movie. It seems un, unattainable, right? But how many things 30 years ago, that we're doing now would have seemed completely unattainable. So yeah. you just don't know. It, it seems like it's science fiction stuff, but you know, 30 years ago we had no cell phones. So. It's true. I, uh, one of the things I want people to understand about preparedness communication is what's the point? Like communication is about relaying information that's pertinent to your survival. Um, and that could be an offensive tactic. That could be uh, logistical planning. That could be, morale comms to keep people Mm -hmm. uh, squared away there's many cases of like that i've studied throughout the years about people and their uh strive to get communications uh based on their proximity to civilization so like planes that crash in the middle of nowhere 
um, people who get lost. The big breakdown that you'll see across the board is the lack of contingency plans and communications that set them up. Um, you remember the alive thing, mm -hmm. right? They actually were able to set up a base station and listen to communications of, because they're in the mountains, of communications being made tr for people trying to find them. Mm. The only issue is they couldn't transpond. Mm -hmm. So when you think about setting up your pace plan for your family, for your friends, for your network, you need to think about these contingencies. So let, let's see, let's pick a scenario, right? Let's mm -hmm. say natural man-made disaster, you're displacing from a city and you're moving up into the mountains. What's your pace plan for Kamal? Like, so what, what would yours be? So th there's a, I mean, if, this is like the, um, the, the over-classification of things for, for people. We dealt with it all the time. Guys are like, what, why would you talk on your cell phone? Well, because we're talking in plain comms. We're mm -hmm. not doing anything, anything shady, right? We're not. What's plain comms? Comms is unencrypted. Unencrypted. Anybody can listen in. Yeah, it's uh, what we used to call it. There's actually a plain text. Plain text. I, I have a great story about that. Yeah, it's you completely would, plain text. Yeah. yeah, do that. Do, you want to tell so, it? Yeah, because it's it's appropriate. Okay, when I was in, uh, when I was in, when I was in Germany as an NCO in the infantry, I got sent to. Um, the national training place there in, in Germany. It's called CMTC. It's the Combined Maneuver. It's like NTC, but for Europe. Yeah, so all, all the, all the, the tanks and Bradleys and all the uh, armor, they all fight basically in these big massive battles, right? But I got sent there as an observer controller. So I was the guy who drove behind armored units and assessed Ooh, casualties. Cool. And I had the kill gun with the miles really? so I could kill tanks and all that. And I was on observer controller, so I'd watch the battle and I'd give an after action review and all that kind of thing. So there was a Bradley unit, a mechanized infantry unit, and they infilled in to sweep all these hilltops to clear them out of OPs before the armor came through, right? So the Bradleys came up, and I think it was just a platoon. So four Bradleys came up and dropped four squads, and they got on the ground, and I was with them. I was actually maneuvering with them. And. When they got on the ground, uh, before they moved off, they were checking Camo, and one of the radio has dumped the crypto, so uh, which happens sometimes, and they didn't have a fill device to put the, the, the encryption back in the radio. So they were screwing with it and screwing with it and screwing with it, and, and um, time was going. So, so I think the PL was like, screw it, just go to plain text, single channel plain text, which is open, not encrypted, and anybody can pick it up, right? So they all go, handheld radios, like backpack radios, all go to single channel plain text. And all the Bradleys go to single channel plain text because the Bradleys take off and go to a holding area while these dismount infantry platoons sweep all these hills, right? So as they maneuver, they maneuver up to the first hill and they call in the checkpoint with a 10 grid, right? And then artillery comes in. Right, and what they do when they call when a call in the enemy force calls in an artillery strike, a guy will drive out there and he'll drop artillery and he'll assess casualties based on how how the accurate their artillery yeah. was, right? And he'll drop these artillery simulators that make the noise and bang, and then he'll go, "You're dead, you're dead, you're dead." And when the first artillery, I didn't know what was going on because I wasn't privy to that. Artillery strike comes in, super accurate, kills like ten guys, right? They break contact, they move, they reconsolidate, reorganize move to the next hill, call in the grid, artillery comes in, smashes them again. They move, and they th they're thinking there's an observer out there somewhere calling in artillery on us, you know? What had happened was the op four, who are permanently the enemy force that are based there, they were in the motor pool cleaning their vehicles, and they stumbled on the frequency, and they were listening to the movement. Two privates, and when they would call in the 10-digit grid in plain text, they'd call an arty strike on them. Shut yeah. up. Yeah, and then they'd move, and they'd do it again, and again, and again. They wiped out the whole platoon. Nobody, and then at the end, whoever was left called in the Bradleys, and the Bradleys pulled up, and Artie came in and hammered the Bradleys. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> you know? What is what is the ding for that? Is, is it like you're not it, cheating, you ain't trying? It, no, I mean, the kids did nothing. It was good initiative on their part, right? Yeah, yeah. It was just, it was a good lesson that you can't maneuver on the battlefield in plain text. Yeah. You're going to get smashed, you know? Yeah. They have whole units, like there's foreign countries that have whole units who are dedicated to electronic warfare. And their job is to spoof GPS, block GPS, give false encryption, block cut encryption, do all this stuff on the back end, whole electronic warfare units. That are because they know, especially 
in countries that are not exactly our friends, they know that the American military is a mighty machine. But if you cut off the communications piece of that machine, it's very difficult to maneuver all those elements, right? Yeah. So uh, electronic warfare is a massive thing on the battlefield today. But I think that the lesson for those guys is in the after action review, don't go to single channel plain text, pull the vehicles back up, have a fill device, have two fill devices in case one's Get your crypto back up, maneuver on the battlefield with encrypted radios, or you're going to get smashed. You know or have a mean? contingency plan to operate, uh, yes. you know, nonverbal yes. yeah. hand maybe, and arm maybe, signals. Maybe hand and arm signals, you call yeah. the, you, you brief the Brads, hey, we can't communicate, meet us here in three hours, or whatever that looks like. But worst case scenario, you're talking single channel plain text when there's an enemy on the battlefield looking for that and has the ability to, to hammer you. Yeah, the signal core's insignia is flags because yeah. they used to use mm -hmm. flags to communicate on the battlefield. Yeah. Um, look, if you're if you're if it's a if it's a disaster type event, what you're not going to have is is civilians who are targeting other civilians, directionally trying to find them and interrogate their mm -hmm. phones or communications. Mm -hmm. What you're likely to have is um, people who are desperate, right? But the the open communications on a cell phone infrastructure is a good indication that there's still infrastructure still intact. Mm. If you could use your cell phone, for example, during a storm, you could assume that the electricity is still powering the network, which includes the towers, and that you're able to still communicate and use that, mm -hmm. right? That's always my primary. Like always yeah. speak in plain text, have the ability to text, to call, because yeah. we're not in a foreign intelligence, a foreign service, or counterterrorism environment. Yeah. We're just trying to survive. Yeah, you can get super security conscious with your cell phone. It's freaking miserable, man. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. There's so many things you can't do. Like sometimes I'll, I'll go in and I'll always turn off the analytics thing, send them analytics, and then I won't put my GPS on unless I, except for like NAV or whatever. But um, sometimes I'll go in and I'll try to use something and I've already blocked it access to my photos and I end up going in. It's just miserable. But, you know, if you want to go down that road, then, yeah, you, you have so much less capability. What about uh, battery power and charging capability when just you're away? Are you so, solar maybe? Or yeah. Remember Robin Sage? They had those little wheel things that they mm -hmm. charge the batteries with? Yeah, so I, I've seen a lot of, sorry, I, I've seen a lot of power management efforts when I worked Force Mod. Um, but I, I just wondered if you use any, any uh, solar stuff for charging that actually worked. All right, guys, and I wanted to talk to you about the Stereo app. So it's a really cool interactive podcasting app where you guys can get on there, listen to us real time as a live podcast, interact with us. Um, you know, we're going to be doing some Q&A shows. We're going to be doing some podcasts with people of all different types of genres, not just survival and preparedness, but all different types of stuff, um, just so you guys can kind of tap into some other networks and, and get some expertise from other things. Um, but go to the show notes, uh, click on the link, you can download it at the Apple Store uh, or the Google Play Store. Download the app and follow us at Fieldcraft. That is at Fieldcraft, and give us a listen. Yeah, there's there's a lot of. I mean, there's great off-grid Trek who makes um, really great solar panels. Goal Zero. Look, these things operate off a of 12 volt. The problem with 12 volts or solar panels is that it's it's often not enough amps amperage. Um, it's a trickle, right? Yeah, it's a trickle charge. You're not going to charge it in full. So that's what I was thinking about right when we were talking about primaries. Like, even if you're, uh, you have the infrastructure is up, the biggest consideration for you is if you're breaking contact, bugging out, or even bugging in without, without power, you need to look at your cell phone as a dumb device. You need to disable all of the applications. You need to... Um, uh, turn on the airplane mode if you have it on mm -hmm. when you're prepared put it on make the call make the text turn it off and literally put it either in standby because you have more power and the ability to trickle charge or turn it off completely mm -hmm. because what about external power sources so th the best you mean like uh the solar yeah no like a, like a separate battery pack that you just plug Dude, into they're, they're so good yeah here's the here's the thing though like what I love about the power management systems as they've evolved is the USB, right? Yeah. This universal system that allows you to plug different accessories into one port or one charge. And all these packs are are batteries that are rechargeable mm -hmm. that you could use as a block to off of um, 110. So 
have multiple variants of those, but remember like storing those, especially lithium based batteries, you have to have systems in place. You either have to trickle charge them, mm-hmm. just like your car battery in your diesel truck is going to get cold and di- diminish over time. That happens to normal batteries. Yeah. Like I've seen people who have batteries inside. I've actually experienced this in a weird way where I was doing a, I was doing a, uh, I was in Georgia and I was doing the a- The country or the state? The, 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 the state. <laughs> um, in, in Georgia, in the state, I was doing a consultation for somebody in, in home, on like home security and all, and all kinds of stuff. And they had a loadout, including batteries. And I said to them, I said, hey, these are, when, how long have these batteries been here? And they were lithium batteries, rechargeable. And they said, oh yeah, we use those just in case because they're power, they're packs, they're mm-hmm. big, huge packs. And I can't remember the company, I wouldn't even call them out. All of them were dead. Yeah. And was it, was it in a cold environment? When we're it was in sitting? a cold basement, which yeah. is a cold room. And they had they didn't have it plugged into the wall. Mm-hmm. And I said, listen, you could just like you can get a tender for your battery for your car in the garage plugged in. You could do the same for lithium batteries, no matter where they're at. Mm. So ensure that you have that because power consumption is the biggest consideration. It's huge. This is what you have to do. And Josh would I, I think Josh Hamrito Crash Course would tell you the same. Buy a dumb uh, cell phone online on Amazon that only requires a GSM card, buy a prepaid GSM card that has, if you buy it from Walmart, likely you're going to have from that Walmart infrastructure, you're going to have the coverage to make a call or a text and keep that in your loadout. Mm-hmm. Because stuff hits the fan, you pick it up, you plug in the GSM card or it's already already positioned, and then it's a, it's a phone that allows you to communicate to loved ones. And by the way, preload your contacts because you won't remember them if your phone's dead because nobody knows mm-hmm. they just know them by name mm-hmm. and then and then have the ability to communicate on that phone and then have the trickle charge slash charging system or setup for that look mm-hmm. i'm a big fan of gold zero always have people think gold zero is a new thing i, I use gold go gold zero um standing up the sif 12 years ago mm-hmm. or no uh uh 10 What's 11 gold, years what's ago. What's Gold Zero for people who don't know? Gold Zero is a company, I think they're based in Utah, that makes a whole bunch of battery systems and solar power systems to charge all your goodies. Mm-hmm. I, I think people underestimate what the cold weather does to battery. We've done extensive testing in SOCOM, and I, I can't talk about a lot of it but because it's classified, but we really, we really needed to know what like minus 10, minus 20, minus 30, minus 40, minus 50 did to our equipment. Heat too, right? And does it, uh, does heat? Heat, heat uh, like to a lesser extent on batteries, but it does affect everything, mm. you know? Um, the, uh, so, so yeah, people don't take that into consideration. I remember, you know, back to the original thing about the commo requirements. I remember uh, infilling for a mission where we dropped Polaris razors, two-seater razors, for a reconnaissance, awesome vehicle, you know. Um, the uh, But we had so many batteries in the back because we were running so many communications platform and pushing video and, and doing constant updates. And it, it was ridiculous. Like, I, we never could have carried that stuff in our back. Batteries are heavy. You have boxes of 5590s. Boxes of 5590s, right? And uh, those were heavy batteries. <laughs> Insane. Um, yeah, ridiculous. I was like, that's all you got? 5590s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And they're expensive. They are, yeah. But but yeah, if you, if you have a bunch of, of external battery packs in your truck in Utah, as a contingency, they're dead. They're dead. The coolest thing that I've realized um, in operating uh, overseas with generator and power requirements, all these things that we like living in a remote fire base, man, you, you start to respect logistics yeah, in a very you do. definitive yeah. way. You know, you, 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 it's such a good education. Like you turn on a faucet in your house and you pour water out of it. If you've never been short of water, yep. you don't appreciate it, right? The, power. The, sh- the shitter, the yeah, power, all yeah, these things. Yeah, yeah. What, what, you know, just looking down at my uh, Land Cruiser right now, your Land Cruiser is a drivable generator. Mm. It has an alternator, so it has a reoccurring charger that charges and maintains the battery that powers all the accessories internal. If you have a vehicle it requires like a generator fuel source, propane, gas, um, diesel, whatever that is. Always remember that because I see a lot of people, look, if you run your vehicle and you need to charge accessories 
it's not going to take that much fuel. That's why I tell people like when you lose power, there's nothing. If you don't have any contingencies um, and you don't have any generators, at least have a tank full of gas in your vehicle um, because you could stay warm. Mm -hmm. It's shelter. It's power for your communication devices. Have gas on. Or in, in, I'm going to get a, I had one in my last house, a Generac 17 kilowatt um, propane fueled generator. Save my, my butt many mm -hmm. times. Use your vehicle and all of its power accessories you to do that. You need that here a bit more than you did in Arizona. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can get an inverter. That invert, it, it's, it, it's not too complicated, but basically you need the ability to convert power from a 12-volt system to you know, powering your 110 systems. That requires an inversion. Um, and then those things can be bought by National Luna, by, by Goal Zero, um, which is lithium-based. But that's what you need in combo because if you don't have power, you're not going to be able to communicate. Yeah, I, I've seen some power management stuff. And, and some of it I can't talk about because it's classified. But some of the systems I saw to try to power your, your equipment on you was they had a frame on a backpack. And as you walked, it kind of moved frictionally and generated power to trickle charge your radio. Didn't really work very From well. From your crotch? It, it, it no, it, it sat on the frame was actually it, it, oh for your back for yeah, grinding yeah. I mean, how annoying is it to have a backpack bouncing on your back while you're walking? I mean, oh, yeah. I was like, Ugh, I wouldn't like that. Like a then, shake weight, a walking yeah, shake it was weight. Yeah, like a walking <laughs> shake weight. You know that well. I, I have two of them. I just got a workout this morning. <laughs> so uh, the other one was like leg. It was like, um, like a leg brace that you'd have if your broken legs like and, and that went down the side and it strapped to your legs and as you walked they, they, they generated power <laughs> as well like and again, power management's a big gap and uh, especially for SOCOM so all these people are trying to try all this stuff but I haven't really seen anything that works really well to include solar you know yeah um but it, it, it's going to be an ongoing problem. But if you have 52 different apps running on your phone yeah. when you don't need to, then, then that shut the damn thing off and turn it on as an emergency. Well, you need uh, people need a, a contingency comms. That's what you need, right? Mm. So you need the comms. Like the, the alternate to this is you, it's not even an alternate. Everybody should have what we're talking about as like you have the redundancy. So you have the whole pace plan. Ham radios. Mm -hmm. And people get so fearful of ham radios. Even even when, before I talked to Josh, ham radio crash course, big shout out. Go to YouTube, yeah, we're, we're learn. We're going to try to pull him back in, right? To we do a too. bunch of content and yeah. some seminars and stuff, yeah. But he he's the expert. He is the person I refer to as the expert, the subject matter expert in comms. He'll recommend that you get a ham radio because you could receive mm -hmm. all the emergency traffic that's relayed via FEMA. And you have to remember, like, the ham radio network has an infrastructure that's not dependent on the grid. So when the government, when the, when the system, when the infrastructure fails, he actually relayed to me that a lot of ham radio relay stations are actually solar-fed, and they don't need power. Mm. So you could actually, you know, you communicate that frequency, hits a base station or a relay slash relay station, it pushes and amplifies that signal, mm -hmm. typically at high ground, down into uh, somebody else who has a radio, and now you have the ability to, to communicate. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take a lot of power. Uh, you could have a handheld version of it. I think we use the Bofeng uh, 5, Victor, whatever. I'll, I'll give the number. Yeah. yeah, and then and I have a Yesu. I have a Yesu, which is a Japanese company. Um, that's a, a little bit better. But SOS, communication... And look, you have to have your ham radio license to transpond. It's actually illegal not to have that. But under emergency conditions and situations, you can transpond on that. Mm -hmm. So don't think you can't. You could literally key up the mic and declare your SOS. But you have to learn it. I can't. Yeah. Even Josh can't give you a class in an hour mm -hmm. that's going to set you up because it's very perishable. It's a whole bunch of numbers, mm -hmm. wave propagation theory, and all kinds of stuff. Be committed to it. You should. Mm -hmm. um, lastly, let's talk about, because you're an expert at this because you're old. <laughs> um, let's talk about non-electronic communication. It's many. It's tradecraft. It's, 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 it's mirrors yeah. and old school yeah. hand and arm signals. What's your, what's your approach with that? Like when you grew up in the Irish mm -hmm. uh, military and in the infantry before you went into special operations, did you guys, I mean, we use obviously hand and arm signals, American Army. 
But is there like a whole thing? Not really. It was the same thing, hand and arm signals. But the radios we had, we had like 46 sets, 77, Brick 77s that hit in Vietnam. That's what we used. Plain cha- uh, single channel, plain text. It's that line of sight, right? The That's Brits, yeah. The Brits listened to everything we talked about. Um, so you have um, codes, right? You have code words. Um, you have, remember the old school book, the SOI book? that yeah. you use to change the frequencies and you yeah. use it and you had a code book. So if you look at old school stuff from uh, the Cold War is actually a great example, like the, the, the TV show, The Americans, right, where they're transmitting and they're, they're listening devices and they're using dead drops to communicate and they're... they're um, What's a dead drop for people? A who... dead drop is like a, a message you leave in a certain spot mm-hmm. and then you, you put a very... It's unattributable yeah. yeah. in some ways too, right? Yeah, and you put a very easily to see sign that somebody could drive past and see, oh, there's been a dead drop there. We use them in the, in the Q course in Robin Sage a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, the more modern communication gets tracked, the more, you know, people would have to go back to old school stuff like that. Um, but you, you can transmit in, in, in plain text if you have a code book, right? If you, if you are coding something, and that codes can be broken quite easily, but it would give you time, it would buy you time. Um, I, I actually really like that old school communication type stuff like that. It, it's super interesting, and it comes from people who had to do it, right? They had to do it to, to uh, you know, stay alive basically when, when they're, they're, being tracked by a government entity or stuff like that you know they they put ads in the paper to communicate with each other and, and covert comms covert comms and all that yeah there's tons of ways to do it and uh yeah the, the uh you would you would see it in afghanistan a lot too those guys would talk on icoms and we tracked everything we listened in all the time but there was so much traffic out there sometimes do you remember like i remember rolling in a, in a gun truck in afghanistan and we would pick up chatter and it would they would say Oh, here comes the Americans. Get ready. And we'd be like, you see everybody putting their helmet on in the truck and like, oh, here we go. And I don't know if they were just screwing with us. Oh, yeah. Or it was just communications that was bouncing all over the head. I have a thousand of those experiences, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's like they hear, we hear the chatter and it's like, yeah. oh, these yeah. are getting bad. But you don't know how close they are because yeah. it's, it's yeah. Afghanistan. It could be on the next mountain. It could be bouncing off all kinds of stuff, you know? I think, I think, uh, uh, hand and arm signals internally mm-hmm. are super important. Yeah, Morse when, code was a huge one for a very oh, yeah. long time because you ever learned Morse code? I didn't. Thank God, I didn't. But it, it in Echoes had to learn Morse code in the Q course up to about 2005, I think, and it, because I was told that when everything else fails, Morse code can get through, and because uh, it's, it's a beep, it's a very reliable system. And AT and Echoes, communication sergeants and SF had to learn it and had to like. Not anymore though. Not anymore. Gone. Yeah. yeah and, and it's probably a good decision because you, something has to give. You can't keep piling on and piling on and piling on. So do you learn modern technology or do you learn old school stuff? Because if you try to lo- learn it all, the Q course is now two years long, right? Um, so yeah, yeah. Hand and arm signals, obviously. Um, Morse code can be used by tapping, but also could be used by lights, right? At distance. Like by flashing a flashlight, you can use Morse code that way. Um, predetermined signals, even if you don't have Morse code, predetermined, uh, you know, brevity codes. Um, we, pro we, words, too. We use pro, pro words. words. Yeah, code words, pro words. Because you use pro words internal to your family. I mean, yeah. you could create, instead mm-hmm. of, like what I like the idea is using words that aren't in common language. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if you're going to give, one, it has to do with conditioning, too. If you yell a certain word or even a certain sound, and you're communicating distress, that's universal. Like you could put that information out and somebody can react and respond without overthinking about what, what it is. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to be give you don't have to give a five W when you're telling somebody there's a fire. Yeah. You could just yell fire. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like a battle drill. Yeah. Right. It's like break contact. Immediate action. Yeah, immediate action drill. Yeah. Um the Bofang, just so for you guys know, the, the listeners, it's the Baofang B A O. F E N G U V five R. That's U V dash five Romeo. That's a two way radio dual band it, for you nerds up there. It's a 136 to 174 megahertz on one band, and the other band's 400 to 480. And that's a um, 1800 milliampere hours. I think that's MAH um, lithium battery powered radio. That radio, which is a ham radio, 
is thirty dollars on Amazon. It's tiny too. It's, it's super really teeny small. tiny. Yeah, you could you could get, get like a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to give you the Yesu version because here, Josh, like I guess they're internally to the uh, ham radio guys. Um, there is a controversy with using Baofengs because ba- I think I think the Baofeng part of the controversy and there's multiple layers of it is it's Chinese, but it also you could tr- you could scan. Um, and that's like a no-no, according to some ham radio license mm-hmm. operators. Um, I, I have the one of the best in my Land Cruiser, one of the best ones, which is the Yesu 5T 3DR. That's uh, w, or Y-A-E-S-U, Foxtrot Tango dash 3DR. That's Delta Romeo. And that's a dual-brand 5-watt digital transceiver with touchscreen but also allows you to, um, I believe, scan. And it's the Amazon choice, if you didn't know it. Um, but this is the one that uh, was recommended by, by Josh. Mm-hmm. Um, it's designed for high resolution. Um, you could do um, the advanced features, which is called Club Channel Activity Monitor, up to 10 groups with five channels per each group. Um, let's see if there's anything else relevant that, that normal people would know. Um, 79 channels centered around the current VFO frequency in real time and has two independent receivers and simultaneously digital monitoring for both A and B bands and compact body, real dual band operations. So basically nothing in plain English that anybody <laughs> would know. <laughs> whole bunch of capability that sounds cool, but you need training on it. So pace plan, cell phone, primary? Ham radio. Satellite phone, secondary? Yeah. Yeah. You put for, them in the same yeah, for, category? No, or, or? so always sat phone is the emergency comms. Okay. Yeah. So sat phone primary? GSM, CDMA, sat phone, ham radio, mm-hmm. and then line of sight radios if you have the ability, okay. and then which is your E, and then hand and arm signals. And carrier pigeons. Pigeons. You need plenty of a box of pigeons. Yeah. Now, here's the bottom line, guys. If you're listening to this podcast and, and, you're, and, you, get, and you get the pace plan, the primary alternate contingency and emergency, just having the equipment in a box that says emergency is not a path to success. You need to know it. You need to train it. And then you need to tell everybody in your family about it because that's how you ultimately know. Mm-hmm. And that's what a pace truly is. And you need, even if you're, you've gone through the course and you learned it, you need to take it out and brush it off once a month to stay sharp. What are we talking it. about? Radios. Come oh, okay. Yeah. Right. You said you need oh, to take it. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got, man. That's all I got. That's okay. all I got in me. All right. Good chat. All right. Good chat, man. A right. uh, big shout out to Polaris because uh, yeah. you, you mentioned that razor. I did. And now awesome. I'm going to get me a razor. Get it. I'm thinking those about things for recce stuff. That thing was bad. It was really cool, man. You could airdrop it. You could freaking put it in a hide site. You could carry a lot of crap, and you could exfil very quickly, so you don't have to run when you're compromised uh, in a small team. So I'm going to get. I'm going to get a, a, a Raptor. Yeah. Or not a Raptor. A Razor. Uh-huh. And I'm going to attach a ham radio base station to it. Hell yeah. Let's do it. With hot with pucks on it, like we used to have the little antenna pucks yeah, to make yeah. it look and a good cool. nav system, like a Ooh. really nice nav system. Yeah. Um, What's the nav system that, uh, that Damien? Mikey has one. Yeah, the Dam- uh, Damien from the Baja. Oh man, what is that one? I don't I know. Is the one Mike Hernandez has? In yeah. His truck. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. That's it. Yep. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Mike and Kevin. That's a lot of years of experience. I'm not trying to say they're old. Just saying they're very experienced. A lot of years of experience talking about communications there. So, um, guys, one more time, I wanted to talk to you about the Stereo app, which is an app um, that you can get on to, listen to us talk, and speak with other guests live. And you can actually interact with us on that podcast. So, um, go to the Google Play Store, App Store. You can actually find all this information in the show notes. Uh, click that link. It'll download at the App Store or the Google Play Store. And find us at Fieldcraft. Follow us there and tune in. We're going to be doing our podcast on stereo on Mondays at 10 a.m. So just stay tuned for the podcast and when they drop. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys over there.